on the electronic computer machine. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is the return of the Friday Roundtable Extravaganza. And joining me is the host of Prime Time with Alex Stein. Alex Stein. And host of the Isabel, of Isabel Brown Live. Isabel Brown, they both nailed it in naming their shows. Alex, Isabel, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thanks for having us, wow. Dave. Yeah, Isabel. Thank you. Isabel, you've never been on the show before, so I want to give you 20 seconds. We've done things on your show, and you and I go a long way back, but can you tell people who you are, what's going on here, and then Stein, I'll let you do the same even though you've been on before. Heck yes, 20 seconds on the clock, let's go. I'm actually shocked I've never been on the Rubin Report officially because we do so much together, Dave. But for those who are not familiar with me or my story, my name is Isabel Brown. I am a 26-year-old independent content creator and full-time live streamer, meaning we do very similar to the Rubin Report, a live stream every day, covering the biggest cultural and political issues from a Gen Z perspective on my video platforms. I'm also an author, I do a lot of public speaking, uh, but mainly I like to just get up every Every day and tell people the truth in whatever capacity I can, be it a 15-second TikTok video, a three-hour-long live stream, a book, or anything else. And fun little shout-out here, my fiancé actually works on Dave's team. So hi, Brock. I know you're sitting in the control room somewhere, but it's fun to be on the show and nice to meet you're all of you You're engaged to that guy right over there? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> that is wild. Uh, Stein, that was very professional, what Isabel just offered us there. Uh, can you match that for the people that don't know you? I think most of them do, though. First of all, I'm Primetime 99 Alex Stein. I'm a pimp on a blimp, always eating steak and shrimp. I'm the host of Primetime with Alex Stein on Blaze TV. I'm an employee of radio broadcasting Hall of Famer Glenn Beck. So first of all, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Tucker Carlson's biological stepson, and I'm AOC's ex-boyfriend. So if you have an intro better than that, I want to hear it. So ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show. All right, let's roll. Uh, we got a couple. We're just recapping the week, but it's just such a freaking fiasco out there. I want to start with this Eric Adams, New York City story, uh, because he basically is telling people to now flee the city. Then we're going to talk about all the old politicians who are freezing up or meandering into the forest and the rest of it. Uh, we'll talk about who might take Biden's spot. Oh, and then Obama seems to be having gay sex with some people while smoking crack. We'll also talk about that. No big <laughs> yes. deal. Uh, but before we get to it, let's talk about Birch Gold, and then uh, we will do a program uh, guys, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Well, times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, and you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying? You guessed it, gold. Follow their lead. Visit birchgold.com Dave for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings. Birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. All right, let's dive in, guys. A little bit of info from ABC. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says his administration is straining 
to keep up with the demand of supporting thousands of asylum seekers in the city as he calls on the federal government for more assistance. According to the mayor's office, 57,200 asylum seekers are currently in the city's care and nearly 100,000 migrants have arrived since last spring. A portion of the migrants have come from Texas as part of Governor Greg Abbott's plan to bus migrants to so-called sanctuary cities. Uh, now, before I let you guys chime in, we're gonna throw to some video of Eric Adams yesterday basically telling everyone to get the F out. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. Now we're in Russian speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're in uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're gonna come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a 12 billion dollar deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. I'm sorry, but this is just funny. And I say that as uh, someone who lived in New York City most of my adult life, have family. I've got one, well, one family member. Everybody has fled except for one. I got one cousin who's still stuck there. But he doesn't see an end to this. He's the one who made it a sanctuary city. He wanted to bring these people in. He also seems to be confused as to who's mayor, which is him, because he would be the one that might be able to do something about this. Isabel. It's really easy to become a sanctuary city, Dave, when you expect that all of these people are going to stay put in an Arizona or Florida or Texas where you don't have to touch it with a 10-foot pole and you can stand on a moral high ground. But I think not to be crass about this, you F around and you find out when your northern city uh, decides to become a sanctuary city and has to deal with the ramifications of that. It is <clears throat> asinine to me that 3,000 migrants are staying in the Roosevelt Hotel alone in Midtown Manhattan. Yep. And we're expecting that there's not going to be ramifications in the healthcare system and the crime rate in just day-to-day -day life in cities like New York. I see this all the time in Denver where I grew up. Uh, now downtown Denver looks a lot more like Skid Row in LA than anything mm -hmm. I recognized where I grew up. So I think a lot of these cities are going to have to find out the hard way what their policies actually look like. But they turn to the federal government for help, which is what you just heard Mayor Adams say there. The federal government is the ones actually welding open the gates at the border wall in states like Arizona. So don't count on them for any sort of change in behavior here. If anything, they're only going to make it worse. Alex, was that reaction and that speech by Eric Adams just kind of inevitable? It was like, of course, this was ultimately going to be what happened. And again, as much as I loved New York City at one time, in my life, it's kind of like, well, you guys just deserve this now. And this had to happen. 
Well, first of all, here's my hot take. I actually agree with Eric Adams. Those buses need to be going to um, back to Mexico, not up to New York City. I know it's funny. You're a sanctuary city and we're sending people up there. We're trying to troll, you know, Governor Abbott thinks he's so cute, sending all these people to New York City. First of all, New York City is the most important city in the world, in my opinion, and definitely in America. And after 9-11, the entire world rallied around New York City and it became like this great place. Tourism was up. But now with bail reform, like they're letting criminals out on ROR bonds. So it's like it's like a purposeful demolition of it. And if they're not going to stop it themselves, there's nothing we can do about it. So it's a bus full of immigrants. Obviously, that's terrible. But Eric Adams in that clip, he talks about how these immigrants aren't from all from Ecuador. They're Northern African. They're Russian speaking. So they found a loophole. And until we close that loophole, it's only going to get worse because in Texas, it's so bad. I mean, we just laugh at this. Oh, your your schools are going to be over inundated with uh, Spanish speaking children. Well, that's been happening in Texas for the past 30 years. So, you mm -hmm. know, good luck, you know, figure it out. So I'm a little empathetic only in that those buses are going in the wrong direction. Isabel, you have your finger on the pulse of what young people are thinking. Young people seem to be voting for Democrats, but young people also wanted to at one time move to cities like New York City and, and follow their dreams and do whatever it is that they wanted to do. Is this the type of thing that will wake them up or is it just still just too far gone? Well, first, Dave, I'll say it's interesting. I hear that all the time. Young people are voting for Democrats in droves. That's actually not statistically completely accurate. If you look at exit polling for Gen Z voters, which, by the way, is through the roof in terms of voter turnout, we had the second highest youth voter turnout ever in a midterm election in 2022. So we're voting and we're excited about it. But if you look at the exit polling from 2018 to 2020 and then 2020 to 2022, you're seeing young people vote in a straight line more with the Republican Party and more towards mm -hmm. conservative principles. So the idea that it's overwhelmingly already won by the Democrats with Gen Z really is a logical fallacy that I hope more conservatives are able to wake up to and inspire more young people to embrace conservative principles. But this is just one of a litany of things that I think young people are waking up to, not so much about the Democrat Party, but just about how politicians in general really aren't interested in solving the biggest problems that are impacting our day-to-day -day lives. We have, in many instances, kind of a uniparty in Washington, D.C. that says they're going to take action on these things on one side or the other, but then they sit on their hands when they have the capacity to do something in power and run on that same platform two years, four years, six years later to try to convince us that they're the best solution to the problem. Clearly, if we have rising violent crime rates, if we have problems with illegal drug smuggling and firearm smuggling into the country, if we have human trafficking happening in droves across the southern border, that's probably going to impact us as well. And taking those jobs from American citizens, taking away our opportunities, it's impacting our culture. And we're starting to realize politicians from both sides really aren't the people solving this problem. From your mouth to God's ears, may the young people wake up. Uh, but from young people to old people, let's talk about some of the geriatric class that seems to be governing us at the moment. Uh, gonna throw to a couple of videos here, but I wanna start with this video because I was uh, off the grid uh, for August, so we never covered this. But this was the end of July, uh, the first time, I suppose, the first time that publicly Mitch McConnell just seemingly froze up or had some sort of Medical emergency, stroke, God knows what. I know the doctor said he was dehydrated, but here's the first time that this <laughs> happened. Uh, this was the end of July. Finishing the NDA uh, this week has been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of
Okay, Mitch. Anything else you want to say? I'm sure it's go back to your office. Do you want to say anything else to the press? Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. Alex, I'm going to throw to you possibly not to be funny for a moment, but like, I mean, we can make the jokes about it, sure, and we will, I promise you. But like, what is going on here? Why are we allowing this to happen? I mean, are we, do we just deserve this because these are the people that we put in and it is what it is? Well, first of all, he should be in basic, I mean, it seems like he should be in hospice care and these are the people that are running our country. So, I mean, it's really sad and then you know, Diane Feinstein, she's a thousand years old. I mean, I, I don't know why these people aren't on a golf course. And that's one thing I'm kind of empathetic. I don't know why Donald Trump doesn't go play golf. I mean, now they're trying to arrest him. I mean, I love him that he's a fighter, but these people are old. Joe Biden's going to be 81 in 2024. I mean, obviously he's not going to be able to run. Uh, I don't think so. So I don't just, I don't understand why we just let all these geriatrics run the country. Uh, it's kind of really, it's elder abuse in my opinion, and their families should be held accountable um and i just at this point they have all the money they need they have lots of power go on vacation like go take a break but sadly they're just you know running the deep state that is making america uh you know a nightmare to live in at the moment isabel is that the twisted part like it's not just that you see him struggling there but that the people around him clearly nobody really cares about him he's just the vessel for them to attain some level of power so they just want to keep his old bones standing there basically that is exactly correct, Dave. I always like to say Washington, D.C. looks a lot more like Weekend at Bernie's than anything we could possibly imagine these days because you're literally looking at people who have been in office. Mitch McConnell, for example, he's been a senator since 1985. Since 1985. I was born in 1997. Not to make anyone feel old oh, watching this, but oh. that's ridiculous to me that we're still counting on these people to fix the problems they promised they were going to 10, 12, 30 years before I was even born. Like, it's insane to me. But you're starting to see this not just with Mitch McConnell. You see it with Dianne Feinstein uh, being told in her ear by one of her aides on the Senate floor there how to vote on certain yep. legislation. You obviously see it with the President of the United States. How did it take them 45 50 seconds of complete silence and glassy eyes to even ask silently in the background, uh, is he okay? Is he okay? Should we get something? Should we take him off the screen? Uh, it's just ridiculous to me that this pattern of behavior continues to happen. But when you keep electing people like Diane Feinstein, for example, who was born before the invention of the ballpoint pen of the <laughs> microwave oven of the trampoline, I don't know what else you can possibly expect. The trampoline? I would have thought the trampoline yeah. would have been around for a long time, like when people didn't Shockingly have that much no. to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Isabel, bringing the knowledge, but then it happened again, and the doctor said he's dehydrated, but but look at this, this is just last week. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's <clears throat> Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, you all, we're gonna need a minute. Senator, Penny. I mean, it really is just insane. It's as if I was speaking and then. Dave, Dave, the 
somebody has a question, please speak up. Oh, okay. Yes. You see what we did there, guys? Emmy award-winning Ruben report. Alex, anything else on this? It's just sad. I mean, he needs to really get some... If, if that's how he's acting in public, imagine what he's like behind closed doors. I mean, I only imagine that is much worse and probably has a nurse with him all the time. I mean, really sad. Isabel, what do you think about just sort of like the generational shift on this, that it's this baby boomer gen that he's not even baby boomer I mean, he's he's from i guess what they call the greatest generation before that but they are hung uh, hanging on so long yeah. or i guess he's the top of the boomers supposedly but whatever it is like these people are just hanging on so long that they haven't let the gen x guys the the say 35 to 55 year olds who should be in charge right now really take over thus it pushes your generation back further and and that really is almost the genesis of all of our problems right now it is. And I always like to remind myself when I get frustrated thinking, how could somebody possibly just want to keep doing this over and over for the rest of their life? The only thing that's more corruptible than money is power and absolute power corrupts absolutely, which is why you see our second oldest Senate since 1789, our third oldest house uh, in all time American history, because these people grab onto power and they just can't let go and eventually do become a vessel for other people to seek power in Washington, D.C. I never noticed this in that second clip until I just saw it again from Mitch McConnell that his aide, his staffer actually winks at the camera. We're going to need a minute, guys. Mm -hmm. So it's this open joke that we're all aware of and everyone's thinking, but nobody's willing to talk about it. Meanwhile, 70% of Americans think that the two front runners for president are too old to be president. We think that our Congress is far too old to continue holding on to power, but a generational shift doesn't look like handing the reins even to millennials or Gen Z like most people think. It literally is handing the reins to people my parents' age to take over the country, and we're still uncomfortable doing that in Washington for some reason. Yeah, it's also interesting. You know, you mentioned absolute power corrupts absolutely, and it's like McConnell has had so much power for so long, and yet in those freeze-up moments, and we've seen it with Biden too, there is this fear in there because he knows something is wrong. The people around him don't care, and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. We, we will basically run this guy into the ground. But, but speaking of people that are holding on too long, Joe Biden, everyone knows he's not cognitively right. It is, just, it is just known. It's now showing in the polling, even on the Democrat side. And it does seem like maybe they are paving the way for him not to be the nominee. Uh, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who was polling at 1% in her own party when she dropped out of the race last time, uh, she's starting to talk about what it might be like. You're 58 now. If you win a second term, as you and the president are running to do, he would be 86 at the end of it. The Wall Street Journal had a poll showing two-thirds of Democrats say Joe Biden is too old to run again. Are you prepared to be commander-in-chief? Yes, I am, if necessary. But Joe Biden is going to be fine. And let me tell you something. I work with Joe Biden every day. The work that under Joe Biden's leadership our administration has accomplished is transformative. I think the American people most of all want a leader who actually gets things done. Listen, I will give credit where credit is due. She strung together two sentences that actually made sense, so that's worth something. Uh, Alex, this thing like Joe Biden will be fine, it's just, it's just ridiculous because A, he's obviously not fine on face value, but also he, it's one trip. It's one broken hip away from ending. Like it could literally end while we are talking right now. 
Well, I think they're going to put him through some sort of kind of humiliation ritual and make him step down because all of Hunter Biden's crimes. I mean, everybody knows the laptop's real, even though all of the social media companies, you know, came together to say that that was Russian disinformation. So at some point, I think the DNC is not going to keep defending Joe Biden. They're going to say, hey, we made you president. You know, we did you a favor. Now you just need to go on. And they're probably going to the future president probably is going to pardon him, uh, Kamala Harris. I know this is a total conspiracy, but I think that they're going to do something to humiliate Joe Biden because Obama does not like Joe Biden, in my opinion. And I think the future president, it would probably be Michelle Obama if she didn't have a dong. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't have a lot of hope in uh, Joe Biden in the future, but uh, he's definitely not running in 2024. I'm going to not ask Isabel about that remark. Rather, um, nobody likes Kamala and the Democrats have a real problem with that, don't they? They do. She's completely unelectable. I don't know if either of you have ever seen the TV show Veep, but I think we are headed for an almost plot for plot reenaction of what's happening on my favorite Washington, D.C. show. The president will step down within the last year for whatever reason. Maybe he has a stroke. Maybe it's a fallen bad hip. Maybe he passes away. I mean, it, literally anything is possible between now and 2024. Obviously, the vice president, Kamala Harris, will become president, but she will be unelectable by her own party in the primaries the exact same way faux president Selena Meyer was in the TV show. And some grand hero will sweep in at the last moment to save the day, to save America from radical MAGA white supremacist extremism. And I actually think you're right on the nose, Alex. I've been predicting it would be a Michelle Obama for a very, very, very long time. They're putting her on all of the late night comedy shows, on all of the lifestyle fun podcasts, not to talk about politics, but to talk about the kids being grown up, where they're going on vacation, what cocktail they made at dinner last night, humanizing the Obamas in a really relatable way, very intentionally leading into the next election. And God help us all, my other prediction is that Gavin Newsom likely will be the nominee for vice president of the United States. Sorry, Dave. I know you just fled <sighs> California, <laughs> but they're doing the same thing with him, making sure he's very likable, relatable, electable, especially on social media. Yeah. Let me show you one more clip of Kamala because she's she's ready. We Do will win the election. You we will, will win. win. We will win the election. There is too much at stake and the American people know it. Alex, I can't believe it. This is the election where there's too much at stake. I've always been waiting for the election when somebody would tell me there's a lot at stake here. And if we don't vote for them, all hell's going to break loose. Well, every election is the biggest election. And they're probably actually right. I mean, right, because it affects our life uh, most recently. But uh, Kamala Harris, what, she got her job by being a concubine with Willie Brown, the mayor of San Francisco. And then it's funny that that connection to Gavin Newsom, who would sleep with, I guess it was his top staffer's wife while he was the mayor yeah. of San Francisco. So Gavin yeah. Newsom's a scumbag. I mean, to do that to your friend or a person you work with, and that just, you know, totally gets swept under the rug. So I believe the deep state, well, if they don't care about that, you know, they like guys who uh, sexual, uh, you know, bad stuff in their past. You look at Bill Clinton. So yeah, Gavin Newsom fits the profile, you know, perfectly for who should be the next president, even though he's white, comes from an affluent family. He's not multicultural at all. He doesn't represent uh, progressivism really, you know, at all. But yeah, I think Isabel's right that he's probably going to be the nominee uh, in 2024. Wouldn't that be something? We, the perfect chef's kiss ending to all of this is that they somehow push Kamala Harris, the black woman, out of the way so that they can bring in the rich white man. I mean, it's just so perfect, it's ridiculous. But you mentioned sexual proclivities, and we had an internal debate here this morning at the Rubin Report whether we were gonna talk about this ridiculous story. But 
maybe Obama's gay and maybe he was smoking crack with the gay dude and whatever, so okay, it's Friday, let's do it. This man named Larry St. Clair, who, uh, Larry St. Clair, uh, went on Tucker Carlson's show uh, and he claims that about 30 years ago he was having sex and snorting coke and smoking crack with Barack Obama. I just wanna say one thing before we throw to this. I remember, this is gonna sound nuts, but I remember back in 2008 or so, seeing this guy, Larry St. Clair, there was a video of him on MySpace that was going viral saying this exact same thing. So it isn't as if, I swear to you, I remember seeing that. So it isn't as if this guy just magically appeared out of nowhere. I don't know if he's completely insane. I mean, something doesn't seem quite right. I've given you enough of an intro video. You're just a guy who's in town for the night and it sounds like you're looking to party. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I had given Barack $250 to pay for Coke. I start putting a line on a CD tray to snort and next thing I know he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going and it went the direction I had intended it to go. Even though you had sex with him twice, you did cook with him, watched him smoke crack twice. You had no idea who he was. I had no idea who he was. Who's just asked the obvious question. What was Obama like on crack? Um, is it your sense that that's who Obama is, just transactional or that he's bisexual or like, what is this? It definitely wasn't Barack's first time. And I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as long. The guy's running for president and credible information comes out that he's smoking crack and having sex with dudes. That seems like a story. Well, it would be a story if the media really cared about telling people the truth. All right, I, I wanna say, I, I don't know if it's true. In a certain way, I don't care if it's true. I, I don't care if Obama's gay. My husband's gay, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but. There's something here because if this man had said he was having sex with, say, Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell or insert any Republican, this would be the front page of the New York Times every day, endlessly. Isabel, Obama, smoking crack, go. Every time I watch that video, Dave, I probably have watched that promo 45 times at this point. I just get a kick out of Tucker trying not to laugh. It's the first time I've ever seen a little smile at the corner of his mouth when he's really seriously listening to someone. Because you're right, the open joke is this would be the highlight number one trending thing on every social media platform. This would be 24-7 on every news network and on the front page of every newspaper if we were talking about a Republican candidate for president uh, or even a former president at that. I do find the timing awfully coincidental while the Obamas are doing this glorifying press tour of their family. So perhaps there is some weight there. Uh, we'll just have to see if the truth does eventually come out. But it's, it's awfully interesting to me how the media is refusing to acknowledge this conversation and how we have to bring it to independent media sources. And that's true of so many important stories going into 2024. Stop listening to the mainstream cable television if you want the full truth. Alex, I know you're a drug slash racism expert. There's sort of like a funny race piece of this, which is that Sinclair is saying he snorted the coke while Obama smoked the crack. I don't know, something seems interesting to me about that. Well, put on your tinfoil hat, please, because this is why my biological stepfather had Larry on the show. Now, alone, everybody saw in 2008, you know, this press conference when before before Obama was president, he said that he did these things, right? And everybody kind of swept it under the rug because there was not a lot of, you know, corroboration to the story. It was just one guy's word against Barack Obama. And obviously, you're going to believe a senator, not a crackhead. But 
recently, letters have come out from Barack yeah. Obama's ex-girlfriend talking about how he fantasized about having gay sex. Now, I don't care if Barack Obama's gay. Actually, I think that makes him more likable. That makes him more authentic. We said, oh, I'm a gay man and I'm married to, you know, Mike. But I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying that that's true or false. What I am saying is true real quick. I just want to end it on this. In his own autobiography, he said that he experimented with cocaine and marijuana. So he's tried drugs. Oftentimes we talk about uh, you know, race problem in this world. I think it's that we have a lot of fatherless, non-traditional homes. And Brock comes from that upbringing. He wasn't raised by his daddy. He was raised by his mom mainly. And so oftentimes those people use drugs. So the idea that Barack Obama uses drugs, he smokes cigarettes, I think he did. I think that's true. What Did he do it, Larry Sinclair? I don't know. Is he gay? Probably. And that'd be cool if he would just admit it. So, I, I mean, that's just how I feel about Barack Obama. And those are the cold, hard facts that I think. But also I'm a conspiracy theorist, so... You know, take that for what you will. Well, keep your tinfoil of- hat on, though, Alex, because beyond just the letters, he actually tweeted out that he was upset seeing all the books that were being removed from elementary schools here in Florida, Dave, uh, that you're very <laughs> familiar with the content of, because those were the books that shaped his childhood. If you know anything about those books, they are graphic gay porn graphic novels. So is that really the book that you want to say shaped your childhood, former Mr. President? I don't know. Speaking of those letters, let me let me read you just a segment. Uh, this is from the Post Millennial. Uh, in a letter to former girlfriend Alex McNear, Obama allegedly confessed that he had repeatedly fantasized about engaging with men in sexual relations, Garrow told Tablet. The letter he had received from McNear had an entire paragraph redacted. When Garrow asked, she responded, it's about homosexuality. Garrow said that around when his book, Rising Star, came out in 2017, McNear sold the originals, which ended up at Emory University. Garrow said that when Emory got the letters, they put out a press release stating, we've gotten these rare letters by Barack Obama, but did not mention any paragraphs that were too sensitive. The writer sent his friend to the Emory archives where he copied down by pencil the paragraph that was redacted in which Garrow says Barack writes to Alex about how he repeatedly fantasizes about making love to men. I think it's both. It's interesting because you both said the same thing, which obviously I agree with, which is that like you don't personally care. I, I don't think most people would personally care if it turned out that Barack Obama was actually gay or bisexual or something like that. But it's more about just the general lack of authenticity of these people that we just can't take anymore. Is that is that a fair assessment as well? Absolutely. I am sick and tired of fake politicians telling me fake promises on campaign trails to create their own personal agenda that's going to give them wealth, fame, and fortune. I I just don't think the average American resonates with that one bit. And the same can be said about the media too, which is why you see independent content creation and people in the spare bedroom of their house with a home studio talking about this stuff rising in the interest of the American people rather than tuning into multi-million dollar companies. Authenticity is everything going into 2024. And I hope that more people pay attention to that. Alex, I believe you said the word dong on the Rubin Report for the first time, so I'll give you the final word. Well, first of all, nobody would care if Barack Obama was a homosexual, and I think it's pretty obvious that if you write a letter to your girlfriend, you're trying to, like, send a dog whistle that may be your bisexual. So, and if you are, good for him. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with that. So, uh, Barack Obama's probably, you know, running the deep state right now, uh, so he's still probably very powerful. So, it's probably not good that he's a liar and that his chef is just dying under weird circumstances and that people can't find the truth about that. So, yeah, no, he's the new Hillary Clinton 2.0, the new Bill Clinton 2.0. So, yeah, I think in this world that we're living in, I said it to you earlier, all we can do is laugh at this world. We need to become a little clown pilled because 
these politicians, Barack Obama, they do not care about us. Uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, they get away with crimes that we never would. And uh, we live in a, a two-tier justice system, and that's just a hard reality, and life's not fair, and uh, we got to kind of laugh away the pain. Alex, this might be the time to say that you have no intentions of killing yourself. <laughs> no! No, Hillary, no, I'm not any list. I love you, Barack. Please, I'll become your chef. I'll do whatever you tell me to do right now. I'll go cook you omelets as long as you don't kill me. Please don't. Alex, Isabel, thank you. Have a great weekend. Uh, we've got a post-game show coming up on Locals, rubenreport.locals.com. If you want to offer insight, ask me questions, uh, reference dongs. What, where are we going with this <laughs> thing? For everybody else, have a good weekend in about 30 seconds on Locals. See ya. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all, we're gonna need a minute. here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Thanks for tuning in everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.